0: So, after today, there is just one Sunday left of 2018, Um, and uh, as I've been thinking back over this past year, I've been remembering how it started for our family, Um, because uh, just nearly a year ago, we got back into town in January after Christmas break last year, Um, and it was freezing. Do you remember how cold it was? (laughs) Uh, It was early January, and it was icy cold, and uh, a week later it even snowed. Um, So we got back home, and we put the heating on, and and we put our children to bed, and then Sarah and I did some unpacking, and then we crashed on the couch uh, to watch an episode of The Crown on Netflix. Um, And it came to a scene where Queen Elizabeth uh, was in a big fight with Prince Philip, uh, and I started saying, Oh no. Oh no. And Sarah was alarmed at my reaction and she comforted me and she said, It's okay, John. You know their marriage does okay in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that wasn't what I meant uh, because I just looked up and over into our dining room and I had seen a dark grey animal the size of a squirrel creeping across the floor and sneaking behind the piano. Wasn't a squirrel, and it was much too big to be a mouse. It was a rat. Oh. We had a rat in our house. And of course, that changed everything. Uh, There was no more watching TV after that. We had to do something. We had to try to contain this problem. So I moved our furniture around in hopes of hemming it in. And then I moved more furniture in hopes of chasing it out into the open. And I stood there poised with a broom ready to scream and leap onto a chair when it's sculled out. But but that never happened. Uh, The rat hid himself very well and was completely out of reach. So that very night we rushed out to buy traps and the only ones we could get were mouse traps, but we baited them and set them. And then we had to go to bed knowing that there was a rat in our house. Um, It was pretty hard to sleep that night. And then, as you can imagine, the whole next couple of days were just dominated by the reality of the rat. Um, We went out for better traps, and we ended up buying three different kinds of traps. Uh, We learned all about baiting them with peanut butter instead of cheese. Um, We yelled at the children for leaving any door in the house open. Um, And uh, I went around the house repairing any possible rat-sized holes, stuffing every crevice with wire wool and sealing it up with foam. Um, so as you can imagine, nothing else really got done for those two days uh, and nobody wanted to be in the house for a minute more than they had to. Every time we came home, something had been moved or knocked over. The rat just had the run of our house and there was nothing we could do about it. And he was with us so long that we actually gave him a name. Uh, we, we thought he, he'd come inside because it was so cold outside. So we christened him Frosty the Snow Rat. Um, And I can tell you, it was a day of great rejoicing when we finally removed Frosty from our home. Uh, I'm going to give you more of that story at the end. Uh, But when you come out of something that's overshadowed your daily life, it leads to a particular kind of relief and rejoicing. And I think that's the kind of joy that we see in the Gospels when Jesus arrives. So have you noticed that everybody who meets this little baby has the same response? It's a response of overwhelming joy. From the oldest to the youngest, it's the same. So his little baby cousin does a happy dance in his mother's womb. And then old Simeon in the temple meets him and says, okay, I can die now. And then from the greatest to the least, it's the same. From the local lowly shepherds to the wealthy foreign magi, great joy. And then in Jesus' own family, the joy is sweetest of all. His mother Mary burst into a song of praise and said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. It's one incredible thing to say. She says, everyone who hasn't been born yet is going to say that I'm a lucky girl. And that includes you and me. So we're invited to share in this joy too. And as I come to Christmas this year, that's what I really need. That's what I really really need this kind of joy, because this has been one of the hardest and saddest years of my life. Um, So most of you know that right after we got rid of that rat, I fell off my treehouse and broke my ankle, and that meant surgery and three months on crutches. Sarah's sister became a single mom this year. My sister in England had a NICU baby, and we seriously feared for his life. We grieved with the victims of Hurricane Michael and Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh and hot yoga here in town and with friends at St. Peter's. And it went on and on and on. 2018, it's just been a beast of a year. And those are just the things I can say in public without betraying anybody's confidence. And honestly, I've said this and it's felt to me for much of this year that Satan's just been able to do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. And I think it was in February that I first started calling 2018 the Year of the Rat. <laughs> um, so after a year like this, where can we find Christmas joy? Is it in the hope that 2019 might be better? Could only be better. No, that's not a hope. If we look for joy in that thought, we're gonna be disappointed because our joy is in Jesus. And I've been finding my joy in Hebrews chapter 2 this week. Uh, So that's where I want to take us this morning. Uh, Page 1001. It would be really helpful to look it up. Hebrews chapter 2. Page 1001. So if you're familiar with the letter to the Hebrews, uh, you'll know that in chapter 1, the author writes about how Jesus wasn't just some kind of angel, but he's much greater than an angel. He's actually God the Son. And then here in chapter 2, he thinks about what it means that God the Son took on flesh and was born as a baby. So the whole of this chapter is meditating and reflecting on the Incarnation. And uh, and Hebrews chapter 2 says that uh, Jesus being born in the flesh has three amazing consequences, right? So this is where we're going to find our joy. Three amazing consequences. So because Jesus was born, first, we get the earth back. Second, we get our family back. And third, we get our lives back. Okay, it's Hebrews 2. And I want to look briefly this morning at those three things. So first, we get the earth back. And uh, more specifically, we get back our dominion over the earth that God gave us in the beginning. So you remember that God said to our first parents, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all living things. So in other words, God gave us the right to take charge of the earth and to have all living things subject to us. But then we lost that in the fall when we broke faith of God. And now we are at war with the earth. Animals eat us, insects bite us, we get all kinds of diseases, and good crops are really hard to grow, and we get rats in our houses. Um, so our loss of dominion makes every day hard. But Hebrews promises that we're going to get it back. Okay, It's kind of a complicated uh, passage, but let's follow it. I'm gonna make it as simple as I can. Uh, verse 6 is quoting from Psalm 8. And the psalmist says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And then the author of Hebrews goes on in verse 8. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. Okay, do you hear that? So he's reflecting on the psalm and he says, the psalm says everything and it means everything. That he put everything under his feet. But then he adds, At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So the psalm is talking about a world that doesn't exist. A world that doesn't currently exist. But it did exist, and it will exist again. There's a wonderful precious word in the middle of that sentence, the little word, yet. We do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So it's not our present reality But it is our future reality. Psalm 8 is a promise. But how do we know? We know because Jesus was born. So verse 9 says, But we do see him, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So Psalm 8 is really about Jesus. It is about us too, but first it's about him. Because he was the one who was for a little while made lower than the angels when he was born. And he is in charge of the world now. Already. He's king now. Psalm 8 is already true for one man. It's true for Jesus. And because it's true for him, it will also be true for us. Because we who share in his suffering will also share in his glory. So we're going to get our dominion over the earth back. We will govern it wisely and the earth will serve us gladly and there will be no more war because Jesus made peace. The old way of things will vanish and the old patterns will be broken. And that's going to be great. So that's our first solid reason for Christmas joy, that we get the earth back. And now the second is that we get our family back. So all of our earthly families are now folded into one great big heavenly family, which is united and bound together by Jesus. So verse 10 10 says, uh, For it was fitting that he, for for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. So that's kind of a complicated sentence, but it means that it was fitting, it was appropriate that God should save his people in this way. First, by making himself human like us, and then making us holy like him. By first being born into our human family, and then adopting us into his divine family. It says it was fitting that it should work that way. Then it says, uh, He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. And uh, this was the hardest part of the passage for I me. Mean, I really had to study this and wrestle with it. Uh, when it says he who sanctifies, it means Jesus, right? Uh, and it, when it says those who are sanctified, it means us. Um, and, And the passage says that we have one source. And that means that we share flesh and blood. It's talking about the incarnation. We are of one source with our Savior because he became like us in our humanity. He joined himself to the same human stream that we belong to when he was born as the child of Mary. He entered the family. And he changed the family. Because up until this point, the human tree had only produced mortal fruit, right? Children who were stained by sin and doomed to die. But here, with this birth, that old ruined tree miraculously produced a fruit that was pure and perfect and immortal. I've been really struck this year by these words from an old Christmas carol. It says, Lo, how a rose ever-blooming, From tender stem hath sprung. And I've been thinking about what an amazing line that is. It means an eternal rose sprung out of a mortal rose bush. What a miracle. And our tree produced him. Not by any strength or goodness of us, but nevertheless we do get to be proud of him and say he's one of us. He's our brother and our champion. And then marvelously, verse 11 says that he's not ashamed of us either. He's not ashamed of all the other bad rotten fruit. (laughs) He calls us his brothers and sisters. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The one that we hold up as our hero doesn't turn around and look at us with scorn. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not ashamed of you. Will you hear that this morning. He's not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister. Some of you might have family members who are ashamed of you, and who even tell you so. And some of you might even feel ashamed of yourselves. But God's word promises that however you might feel, Jesus is not ashamed of you. And his incarnation proves it because he took on your flesh, and he shared your weakness. He shared your suffering, and he tasted death for you so that you would live. And that's our second solid reason for Christmas joy. Because we have a family now in heaven that cannot be taken away from us. A table where we will always belong. And all our earthly families are folded into it and kept safe inside it. Our families live forever now because Jesus lives forever. So we get the earth back and we get our family back. And now third, we get our lives back. Because of Jesus, we are completely rescued from death. So, look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those, to this, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery an amazing verse. So if you feel like you have no joy this Christmas, could it be for this reason, that the fear of death has subjected you to lifelong slavery? You have a rat in your house. You can't get rid of it. It casts a shadow over every day. You feel powerless against it. It does whatever it likes, and it laughs at you. You have a real enemy. He's the one who holds the power of death. His name is the devil, or Satan. He has the power to tyrannize and to terrorize you, and he pursues you every minute of every day. But Jesus is our champion, and he defeated our enemy. Jesus destroyed him. Jesus came into the world as a tiny, helpless baby, and Satan sent Herod, the most powerful man in the country, after him to kill him. But baby Jesus slipped away to Egypt unharmed. But Satan didn't give up. He came after Jesus again in the wilderness while he was fasting. And again in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And again in the hearts of the men of Nazareth who tried to throw him off a cliff. And again in the hearts of the Sadducees with their murderous schemes. But every time Jesus slipped away unharmed. The unarmored man sidestepped all the machinery of the Lord of death. Until Satan, in his murderous rage, turned all the guns of government onto this one man, hounding him to an unjust execution at the hands of a corrupt court. And Jesus stumbled out of Jerusalem carrying his cross. But, who was it who really died on Good Friday? Who was it who really died? Yes, Jesus died, but he came back to life. The one who really died irrevocably on Good Friday was death itself! died there. That's why it's good. The only one who was really destroyed by the cross was the devil himself, the one who held the power of death. He came out like Goliath and laughed at the army of God and terrorized them for a while. But a champion rose up without sword or spear and struck him down. So now, you will not die. You will not die. You will live and your enemy will you will be exalted, and he will be scorned. He will never laugh over your dead body. He will not. He will not laugh over you. You will laugh over him. When Jesus comes back for us, we will be vindicated, and our enemy will be publicly and eternally shamed. Then you can be sure we will laugh at him. You know that's the thing that he hates most in all the universe? Is to be laughed at? His first sin was pride. And being laughed at just kills him. So we laugh at him. (laughs) How unrelenting he has been in his pursuit of our lives. He has given our world no rest. Not for one moment in these many thousand years. His onslaught does not sleep or rest or take a break. Not for a single day. Not for a minute of any day. One attack follows another, one scheme after another. We never get even one quiet night. How many plots and schemes he has employed in an attempt to kill us. But everyone has failed. And everyone will fail. And we will laugh at him. His time will finally run out. And then there is nothing left for him but everlasting destruction and public shame. He will suffer, he will weep, and he will never be released. A thousand years, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million years in hell, it will be like his punishment hasn't even begun. And we will dance on his grave forever and ever and ever. So, saints, lift up your heads. We have a champion. And we're going to win. He came for us and he's coming back. He's human now and he will never forget the plight of humanity. And one morning, the sun's going to rise and that'll be it. The last day, it will never set again. Eternal light, and it will never be dark again. The endless pattern of day and night will be broken. Mortality will give birth to immortality, and the old way of things will suddenly vanish forever. Those patterns that we've grown so used to after so many years, we will never see again. Gone. Forever. Everything will be different. New. Transformed. Suddenly changed. And that's our That's our joy. It doesn't rest on whether or not it's been a good year or a bad year or whether we seem to be winning or not, whether life seems to be winning over death. It doesn't work like that. We've already won. And Jesus will come back and rescue us in a day, in a day that's coming soon. However bad things are in the day he comes, it will all be wiped off the board and replaced with a radically new reality. A reality where you get the earth back, where you get your family back, and where you get your life back, and you dance and sing for joy. The rat will be finally, permanently, out of our house, and we will sing then! And it's so near and so certain that we should be singing now. So let me give you a little picture of this. Um, You have to magnify this several thousand times. Um, But I'm going to show you my family's joy... Uh, when we got rid of our rat, Uh, we took a video at the moment. Um, So uh, we went out for the evening uh, to a movie because we just couldn't stand to be in the house. Um, And instead of Girls' Night Out, we called it Rats' Night Out. Um, And uh, when we got home, I was chosen to go in first and see what Frosty had got. And when I came back out again, my family could see on my face that it was good news. Um, so imagine as you watch this that the rat in the trap is death itself, the enemy who's tyrannized and terrorized you your whole life, not just two days, and that his death is permanent Mm. and irrevocable we got the rat (laughs) we got the rat we got the rat (laughs) we (laughs) got (laughs) the rat we got the rat the snow rat, the snow rat the rat, snow rat snow rat, (laughs) snow (laughs) rat The we got the rat, we got the mat, yeah, that's right. We got the we got the rat, we got this and that, we got that, we got that. We got the, rub. we got the all right. So uh, Jesus was born. And we're going to (laughs) win. So we should start the party. (laughs)